to In the Growth Space. This is the show for business owners and leaders who have a thirst for growth. My name is David McGlennon. I'm your host, and I really appreciate you listening in today. Now, if this is your first time listening in, I, I want to just say a warm welcome to you. This podcast really is all about growth, and I, I generally talk about business growth and team growth and, and personal growth. And I really love talking with people who've gone on their own growth journey and really who I want to learn from. And today is no exception uh, because we are going to talk about business growth. And I am talking with Gordon Bell today. And Gordon is a five-time CEO, and he's the founder of the Midland Group. And Gordon was recognized as the Certified Exit Planning Advisor of the Year in 2016. He's consulted on over 100-plus buy-side and sell-side company transactions. He has an expansive network of established investor groups. He holds nine patents and is the author of Discover Your Next Best Step, 10 Proven Principles of Servant Leadership Wisdom. Gordon's been a family friend of ours for decades, and, and we recently reconnected of all places on LinkedIn. And I really love these kinds of conversations because I can just allow my curiosity to lead the conversation. And, you know, when you have an experienced business owner and leader like this with so much experience, there's just so many questions I have. And I, I want to hear the, the stories of their life. Uh, we, we started talking uh, when we got on the Zoom call. And, and then I, I just knew that we needed to hit record. Or we, we we're going to miss some, some really good stuff. And so thankfully, We've got some gold in this conversation, so let's get to it now. Well, hello, Gordon. Uh, great to see you again, and um, great to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Well, thank you. Uh, good to see you again, and uh, enjoyed uh, the many years knowing your family yeah. in, in our great city. And, Absolutely. Uh, particularly your mom, particularly your mom, how she helped us with designing uh, parts of our home. Yeah, I remember that quite well, and and uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a while, and and uh, I'm, I was super excited that uh, we were able to arrange this and and have you on the podcast because sure. I know how much you experience you have in growing teams, growing leaders, you know, growing companies, and uh, I'm sure we'll get into an awful lot of that today. Tell us a little bit about like what led you into what led you into growing companies and and getting started in that. I'll go back to my first job. I had a professor that said, um, "I want you to interview with the United States Army Quartermaster Corps because they have a position open to help with the advancement of food, food packaging, and all that." I said, "I am not working for the government." You know, <laughs> crossing my arms. I want to work for an entrepreneurial company. I wanted to work for a corporation called Hobart. Uh, over in Ohio, they were like the food equipment company in the world. And why not be mentored by the best? Well, that didn't work. So I did take the job in the government. And I was surrounded by some of the greatest military geniuses, uh, Pearl Harbor survivors, colonels, guys and gals that really shaped the logistics for warfare. And they gave me an assignment because they knew I had a specialty in a certain area, they wanted to come up with the ability to come up with ways to have kitchens move quickly to feed the men and women in battle. And so we came up with the first mobilized 
kitchen system. So right away, I found out I was a product development guy. Well, lo and behold, a guy in Fort Wayne, Indiana, who I had known when I was in college, uh, said, uh, why don't you come and do product development in Fort Wayne? So here I arrive at age 24, you know, finger in my mouth, (laughs) still learning everything about product development. And he says, go talk to a couple of the sales managers and come up with two new products for each division every year. And, uh, and tonight I want you to come over to the house and there's a wonderful inventor and I want you to read all his patents. I came home that night and I said, babe, I'm not going to make it. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm in fire. Well, lo and behold, I, I learned what to do. I had a chance to do a lot of great product development along the way. Our company was put up for sale. And I said, and I was so late 20s, early 30s-ish. I said to my boss, let's buy it. He says, no, come on, Gord. We work for Alcoa. This is, this is a time for us to help them sell the company. I said, well, in the Wall Street Journal, it says L-B-O-M-B-O. I said, call him. So they called the chief financial officer of Alcoa. He said, I went to school with Bill Simon. He said, he's formed this management buyout company. Lo and behold, one phone call, he came out, invested in us. Oh my God. Uh, a few years later, uh, he made me president. A few years later, I took the company public on the stock exchange in my mid 30s. And I go, holy cow, only in America. Yeah, no. You know, a, work, a working guy just taking the next step. And here I am surrounded with some of the finest investors, but also mm-hmm. some of the finest executives in the world. I had some of the guys that invented the easy open end can. Yeah. For Alcoa, uh, some of the top salespeople who introduced things called, you know, crinkled foil. And I, I just, I didn't realize I was surrounded with so many men and women that mentored me indirectly and uh, directly. And I found that that's one of the most important parts of leadership development is having that culture of mentorship mm, yeah. with leadership and because I'm a believer, discipleship. Yeah, for sure. To me, and you don't have to wear it on your sleeve and, and you shouldn't wear it on your sleeve, but it all goes together. Yeah, it's all it's all foundational and, in, you know, kind of integrated in who you are, isn't it? It is. It's, it's holistic. Right. Yeah. And if I did my research correctly, too, you're no slouch. You have like nine patents, if I read correctly. So, so yeah. something must have rubbed off in that creativity period. Huh? Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> there was a couple of them that were kind of neat to... There was one of our customers that said, man, we our pans and our food, nothing's working in our restaurant chain. I flew out there with one of my engineers and bam, boom, bam, we came up with a new way to bake a certain product that got launched around the world. Wow. But we looked at the food, we looked at the equipment, we looked at the devices and pans that were being used, and they were all wrong. And we just approached it in a different way. Wow. And that led to more projects with that fine company. And that company was called Pizza Hut. Huh. Wow. And that was Amazing. back in the late 70s, early 80s. And you know, I had a chance to sit with the, the great, great people of Pizza Hut and just listen to their hurts, their challenges, their needs. And if we could help them, we did. Pretty neat. Well, and it sounds like a lot of your learning, you sat back and listened and asked questions and, and really just absorbed from people. I guess what what do you see or what do you attribute the your greatest growth um, from you know maybe over the course of your lifetime? I think if I can understand David's vision that you have for you, family, your business, and I can understand where you are in the journey to accomplish the vision, mm-hmm. then 
I have different analytical tools that I can bring to bear to help with that journey. But if I just say, oh, you want to buy a company, David? Oh, oh no, you want to sell your company? Oh, you need investment money? All the wrong questions. Along the way, maybe it does make sense to buy a company. Maybe it does make sense to sell something off. We won't know that until we get into it. And uh, that really, that, that got shaped to a crystal, a really focused time in my late 50s, early 60s when I went back to school. University of Chicago with a group of uh, people who were starting an institute called the Exit Planning Institute. And uh, I became certified. I was like the 114th or 100th person. Now there's like two or 3,000 of them. Wow. And along the way, uh, I've had a chance to work with many of these wonderful advisors Hmm. and helping people build, grow, and prepare for exit. And hopefully the exit is graceful. What makes a graceful exit? What makes a graceful exit is uh, when somebody uh, is ready for the next chapter of their life and they realize that the business that they're in or the work that they're in is it's time to leave. In some cases, it's time to maximize shareholder value because they've reached their limit. They may have uh, issues in their life, disability, they could have divorce, they could have different things that would cause that disruption. But really understanding your life journey is more important than your current journey. Say more about that. I learned that from uh, Pete Christman. Pete was one of the founders of the Exit Planning Institute. And he said, hey, it's all about the life journey, man. Oh, by the way, you want to sell. So it's secondary. uh, Yeah. And then we have a program and checklists. And anybody that sort of knows that they want to do that, you need to be prepared all the time. Because you know what, David? You could die, become disabled. You could have divorce. You could have disruption, major loss of customer. uh, Business goes, uh, or you know what? I just don't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. We talk about the five Ds, you know? Five Ds. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I know before we uh, started rolling, we probably should have started recording about the second we got on on the call because you were talking about growing teams too. And how important is growing a team for that, you know, maximizing shareholder value and and really, you know, preparing somebody to exit an organization? When you look at the assets of a company, People say, oh, I got receivables, I got inventory, I got machinery, I got bats. You know what? The biggest, most wonderful asset are people. And if you can build a leadership team and create a servant-led environment where you are sharing your ideas, sharing your wealth through bonus systems and systems, and you create this and you can get on top of the business instead of being in the business and developing a succession plan for, God forbid, any of you or your key people uh, have a catastrophic event or you want to have natural succession. So to me, the best leadership teams have built a culture of servant-led as opposed to command and control and have got a fairly well-outlined succession plan, career pathing, and performance uh, techniques with 90-day plans. Uh, highly focused. And um, you know, I've had a chance to work with some of the great corporations uh, who have adopted these very specific uh, approaches. So, and I know that uh, just in, in in reading some of the, your material, you talk about the 90-day focus. And I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that because I, I it's one of the things that I do in my own business as well is I, I create my 90-day plan and then I kind of back it up from there where I 
focus on my top three things for the quarter, top three things for the the, the month, and then the week and, and the day. And I'd love to uh, love to hear your thoughts around that. First of all, it was kind of unplanned, but uh, there there's my ninety day plan for me. I love it. That's awesome. on the list is each of my wonderful clients. Uh, also included is uh, my church and also some uh, not-for-profit things I do. And I just say, okay, what am I going to do in the next 90 days? And then on Friday, so that I can enjoy the weekend, I will dictate where are we in pursuing the goals for the 90 days so I can kind of put it on the shelf and, uh, you know, enjoy the weekend. Love that. And so, but the 90 days comes out of putting together a three-year strategic plan. The problem with strategic plans is they go on the shelf. Right. You say, right. That's nice, boss. I got the I got the three-year plan. Now let's get back to work. <laughs> no, take that three-year plan and make sure you have 90-day segments and you have accountability. Mm-hmm. One of the most wonderful programs going around the country uh, is a program called Traction. Yes, they call EOS. EOS, yeah. And uh, matter of fact, uh, the uh, the founder of that's going to be the keynote speaker at our annual convention this spring. Fantastic. Uh, I've got uh, two clients of mine that we use EOS, uh-huh. and we've got some wonderful EOS uh, consultants in uh, the city of Fort Wayne that are helping other corporations. Nice. But you don't have to use that system if you just took a piece of paper, yeah. and said, "What am I going to do in the next ninety days?" Yeah, and you look at it every week. That's a great start. Right, right. Most, most executives don't have even that list. Yeah, yeah. Well, and what do you think gets in the way of that? Like, why do why don't they do that? Because it seems so simple, and it seems like it's just very logical to be able to do it that way. Well, you know, uh, I'm not sure when it happened, but I'll think in my first job when I came to Fort Wayne, my uh, my boss said. Every 90 days, we're all going to go down the conference room and we're going to say, what did you what did you accomplish and what did you not accomplish? And what are you going to do for the next 90 days? And they called it MBO, Management by Objective. Yeah, yeah. And so there's probably hundreds of books out there. Everybody, everybody's got a twist on 90 days. Sure. There's another great consultant in the country, Vern uh, Harnish, who I had a chance to sponsor many years ago for the YPO group in Toledo. And he came in and he talked about his strategic planning as 90 days. It just works. People yeah. can see 90 days. Right. They can't yeah, see three years. I was just going to say, it seems too far off, doesn't it? Some, some visionaries can. If you know the vision, you say, here, the next 90 days. Uh, we, we had a uh, meeting on Monday with one of my clients, wonderful 100-year-old company. And they were going over their uh, their list on Monday. Man, it was like, and, and I said to the team afterwards, I said, you know what? Nobody was pointing fingers. Everybody was collaborative. Mm. Everybody was helpful of everybody's objectives, getting it out on the table, yeah. cleaning up some messes. Uh-huh. It, it was just great. That's and and that, that particular company uses the EOS system. Okay. Yeah. So and so they'll so they'll talk about their big rocks and they have their rocks. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, at the end of the meeting, you are, did we do, are we an eight, a nine or a 10? And yeah. they were between an eight and a nine on this one. You know, they were, they were waffling like, well, next time we give you, it got to be a little bit better. You yeah. Know? Right. Right. Oh, that's, so, I think that 
too often business owners and leaders don't have some kind of a system that they follow. And I think that that could get a, well, in the terms of EOS, a, a visionary in trouble if they don't, especially if they don't have an integrator to be able to help them really put things together, right? Thinker and a doer. Yes, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I've got all these great ideas. Yeah. What are we going to do? <laughs> right, right. And how are we going to do it? <laughs> exactly. The uh, You remember back in the grammar school, they said, answer, who, what, why, where, when. That's what I tell my clients. It's, it's those old checklists, yeah. you know, yeah. from, from grammar school. Right, right. Who's going to do it? When are you going to do it? Yeah. I mean, that's called accountability. Accountability, right. <laughs> yeah. But you do it with a servant's heart. Yeah, you don't do it with a command and control. Gordon, you I love that. Servant's heart. That means I'm, I, first of all, I care about you uh-huh. and I want to help you win. Yeah. What do you think gets in the way of more companies not taking that approach? Because I think that to me, it, it makes perfect sense because when people feel cared for and respected and valued, they're going to give more, give more to the company, give more to the organization and the team. Yeah. I don't get it, I guess, but but maybe what, like, I don't know, yeah. maybe you've seen it. Take, maybe. take the opposite. Pride, ego, all about me. Two months ago, I was helping a wonderful uh, family-owned business try to buy a company. And uh, the investment bankers had all the books and the numbers and all this. I said, you know what? That's great. I want to have an interview with the senior leadership team on a Zoom call because we couldn't meet uh, during that time. And I just want to learn their vision, where they're in the journey. And those four questions, you know, the uh, team plan, numbers, and growth. Oh no, Gordon, we uh, we need to bid. We need. I said, look, you know, we're a very successful acquirer. All I ask is one meeting. So we set up a Zoom call, and I had my t- t- team members, uh, the CFO and the CEO of my client, and we were listening to the other side. I threw out the questions. Only one person spoke. It was the founder of the company, and we knew within minutes that he did not have a senior leadership team and he did not have the culture. And no matter what we paid for, we were going to have to change everything. And we weren't into buying companies to do that kind of change. So I told the investment bankers, you know, got a great company. Uh, we're going to pass. Pass? <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, uh, not going to fit. Yeah, right. Not going to fit. So I learned a long time ago from Dr. Rory De- uh, Delaney, uh, one of the finest scientists Kentucky Fried Chicken had. He said, Gord, let's always work on the toughest question first. Yeah. And the toughest question was, is, will these cultures fit? Let's get the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you don't have a fit for the culture, that's a huge, <laughs> huge problem. Well, we're buying, you know, we're buying a customer list. Yeah. But we're buying a team that has serviced that customer list for a long time. And um, we're here to make the team better. We don't want to go in and have to change it all. Right, right. Well, and I think that the companies that have this mentality of building the team and actually investing in their people and helping them to grow and giving them accountability, those kinds of companies just increase their value. And that's that's where I see such growth for any organization is when they're investing in their people. I often will say that if we have the people of the company growing, that company is going to grow because everybody's going to be challenging. They're going to be trying to avoid the status quo. They're going to be looking ahead. I mean, I guess, what's your perspective on that? Oh, yeah. No, uh, I can look at uh, 
two similar companies in an industry. And if I see a strong leadership team, their shareholder value is going to be higher because they are one of the greatest assets of the corporation. And if they are, they would be producing a better cash flow. So in cash flow times a multiple minus debt is a proxy for shareholder value. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll, I'll talk to some of the great teams and I go, oh yeah, we make 15% pre-tax. Oh, then I'll talk to average teams. You know, we're five to seven. I go, oh, okay. But it's a tough, it's a tough world out there. It's, it's tough for everybody. <laughs> it's right. But, yeah. you know, it's that marriage of team, plan, numbers, growth, but with a servant-led heart. Very critical. Mm, gosh, yeah. You're singing my song, Gordon. This, this is fantastic. Tell, talk a little, I know you've written a book and uh, I'd love yeah. for you to talk a little bit about the book and, you know, just kind of what led you maybe even to write the book. Well, you know, when, when, when I was a young guy, uh, I always said I was going to write a book. Yeah. The book was going to be Jesus Christ, vice president of marketing. And I was going to have the vice lined out because he's the boss. He's the, yeah. he's the CEO, man. Yeah. And his principles are everlasting. So as I would go through the years and attend church, uh, I would make notes on sermons. And I had a couple thousand sermons, about four or 5,000 scriptures that I had put together. At the same time, I was being groomed uh, by Alcoa and also by private equity into how to build teams. And I learned that you need servant-led versus command and control. I learned that you need to know the vision. You need to build a team. You need to do things on time. You need to make a profit. You need to have a plan. So I put together that outline. Well, I found that that was tied to some of the sermons and scriptures. Lo and behold, I found 10 critical points of leadership and put together a booklet that would look like manufacturing 101 servant-led booklet. And I started using that and practicing that as I ran companies. I'm a five-time CEO. So I had a chance to practice what I learned. And uh, lo and behold, uh, my pastor said, hey, Gord, you want to teach this? I said, you know, I do. And so uh, Rick, Rick Hawks at the chapel said, uh, I got 30 guys at 630 in the morning and we'll, we'll let you have 10 weeks. So I did that. And then along the way, the, the youth pastor said, hey, Gord, will you help me with leadership development for my sixth, seventh, and eighth graders? We did that. And then I got 11 of the top CEOs in the country to look at my drafts. And lo and behold, out came a book, Discover Your Next Best Step, 10 wow. principles, 10 proven principles of leadership development. Yeah. And um, it starts off with loving God and loving others, mm. and pursuing your passion. It ends with taking risk. Yes, you're going to take risk. Uh, you're going to put capital at risk. You're going to put people at risk, but you're doing it for the glory of God based on Isaiah 40:31. Ah, and so, uh, but I don't wear that on my sleeve. They read the book, they get it. Yeah, sure, sure. And you know what I said to some people? I say, you know, Gord, I'm not a believer. Gord, I'm, a, I'm an agnostic or an atheist. I go, you know what? Just read the principles. They work. <laughs> yeah, they work anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just park the scriptures over here. Sure, <laughs> sure. They may influence you along the way, but the, the yeah. checklist works. Yeah, and I think that it's it's interesting. You, you've talked about checklists a couple of different times, and I know that, you know, I, I 
earlier in my life, I was a pilot and I haven't flown for a long time. I was actually a flight instructor and everything we did obviously was a checklist. And it's, it's, it's important to have those checklists because then we don't miss things. We can think we have them in our head, but when we have it on the paper and we can actually go down through that checklist, yep. we can make sure that we don't miss something. And so I love having checklists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's helpful. It's a, it stimulates. Yeah. yeah. But again, it gives me a holistic view of, of the person or the business. What you talked about uh, being a CEO, and I'd, I'd love to like just hear some of your thoughts about like what's some of the best advice that you would give to a CEO. Maybe it's a new CEO, uh, somebody who just became CEO. What's what 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 would be your best advice for them? I, I was mentored for almost seventeen years by one man, Sandy McLeod, and I watched him run meetings, and I watched his style, and I picked up uh, some of his wonderful habits. Nine o'clock, Monday morning, staff meeting. Okay, consistency. So you meet 40, 50 times. A team knows what's going on. And, you know, he he always went last. He goes manufacturing guy, the materials guy, the sales guy. You know, what, what's going on? And by the time he got to the end, he would say a few things. Where the young Gord would say, man, I got 20 things I want to get off my chest. <laughs> I am the CEO. I'm going first. Wrong. Let your team go first. And then, you know, if you're not sure about some things or you think there's something that's a little off course, then comment. You got 40 chances to do that. The other thing Sandy taught me was, is she said, don't confuse performance appraisal with giving somebody a raise. Because when they're sitting across from you, they may say, oh my gosh, if I don't do well in my performance appraisal, I'm not going to get my percentage. No, we're going to do this. And really the 90 day plan is the secret behind performance appraisal. Mm. You get four shots a year and you're really doing performance appraisal. Now you have a formality of one. The other one is do career pathing and what do you want to do to grow in a separate conversation? I learned all these things from Sandy, but he learned them in his Alcoa days. Yeah. It was all about, you know, building the team, growing from within bringing people from the outside if you needed them, mm-hmm. but to have that consistency and accountability. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. I love that. So if somebody is a president or a CEO of a company right now, they're not the owner, but maybe they have a, a desire to own a company. How would you advise somebody to to go about doing that, making the leap from being an employee to an owner CEO? Well, there's a tremendous amount of wonderful brokers, investment bankers mm. that they get to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they don't have access to capital, they need to start uh, talking to people that w- would invest in them. You know, sometimes you can get what I call, what they call family and friends capital. Oh, sure. But uh, there's also some wonderful groups that have been formed that will back people who have the, uh, the vision to go on their own. A number of those guys and gals will come through my front door and say, Gord, what do you got for sale? <laughs> I say, well, you know, I got this, this, and this or something or, and uh, have them network. The other one is, is, is talking to the, your bankers, talking to lawyers, talking to accountants, talking to wealth managers. There's such an array of people mm-hmm. out there. And I have found that quantity breeds quality when you're looking by something. 
You okay. need to have lots of phone calls, lots of meetings, and then you find it. You know, it's kind of like you do a two or three visits. And you say, well, I haven't found it yet. Well, that's nothing. Some of the finest private equity shops in the country, they will look at a hundred transactions, a hundred opportunities. They might do one or two. And those have been refined before they even got to them. Mm-hmm. Very, very uh, tremendous approach to evaluating opportunities, the private equity system. So you mentioned networking, and I, I'm, I'm curious to just kind of hear your your vantage point on like how important is networking in you know business growth and 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 even just personal or professional growth for you know any leader well, i think networking breeds mentorship you know the more you're out there you know whether you might be on a not profit committee you might be on a church board you might be uh, in an industry uh, group you might be involved in some athletic uh, club or something just you know alumni thing but that network, the more you're interacting and the more you're trying to be helpful, you will get something in return. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Totally agree. Totally agree. So I, I guess last question I, I, I'll ask you is if you had any advice for an emerging leader, somebody who maybe has been tapped as a high potential and or somebody maybe their first time they have people reporting to them so they're a first time people leader what what advice would you have for them because i know that we have a number of emerging leaders listen to to the podcast i'd love just to hear what your advice would be for them i got identified at a young age by alcoa it was called pittsburgh management conference and they would have you come in it would be with 20 30 uh, other executives and you know i thought at first Am I going there to compete against them? The answer was no. I was there to go learn the vision of Alcoa, where Alcoa is trying to accomplish. And I have a specific role and I get to share that. And we did a lot of things. We learned about safety. We learned about uh, the corporate uh, history. And I would say, you know, to an emerging leader, get somebody to be your mentor if you can. If not, you know, pick out a few people. Your mentor might have been your dad. Your mentor might have been, uh, you know, a teacher <laughs> yesteryear. But one of the things Alcoa did was was really interesting. They sent me away to a school. It was done by the AMA in those days. Hmm. And they were going to evaluate me as a manager, executive. And they put us in an environment with, you know, six or seven other people. And we were tested. I had a binder. Today, you wouldn't have binders. You'd have yeah. electronics. Yeah, sure. <laughs> the test they put us through to find out my strengths and weaknesses. And then they put us through a lot of situations with others where they give us a problem to solve. Okay. And then, they, then the team would evaluate each other. And I remember this one engineer said, well, you know, Gord's pretty tough, but you know what? I'd like to work for him. And I go, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so I learned something about him and me. And then at the end of that session, they said, we're going to put together a six-month plan of all the things that you need to do to become a better executive, better person. And we'll see you back in six months to see how you did. So I had, and, and I was being prepared to be a, call it a significant executive that could move up the system. Sure. Well, yeah. that didn't happen. I ended up buying my subsidiary instead. <laughs> but I That's learned great. a whole lot about myself. I, I had to learn how to do contract negotiations with unions. I had to learn a lot about supply chain management. 
you know, I was a product development, marketing, international sales guy. I had those vocational strengths, but I was kind of weak on the operational side. So I needed to be bolstered. And so I, I improved some of my vocational skills and then uh, had a chance to move up the ladder and, and manage. So for those young emerging ones, as uh, get all the learning you can, get all the best mentors you can, find out what your strengths and weaknesses are and tie it to your vision. You've talked about vision a couple of times. I know I, I said that was my last question. I've got one more question though, because I feel like Columbo. <laughs> just one more thing. Uh, <laughs> just one more. How, how does somebody get their vision and like, how did you get your vision and, and what, you know, maybe even like, what's your vision now for this season of your life? Well, uh, when I was a young guy uh, at Purdue and studying food service and food science and industrial engineering, I wanted to be in the food equipment industry. Uh, I knew I wanted to do that. And it, it happened and I had a good 25 year run in that industry. And so I learned management in an industry and networked within an industry. And some of those people from my 20s are still my dear friends. As a matter of fact, there's a wonderful lady, Louise, uh, and I, we competed for the same job when we were in our 20s. She said, I'm glad you didn't take it, Gord. She said, <laughs> she rose to be one of the absolute top female executives in the country. Yeah, she lives up in the Chicagoland area. But how else do you want me to expand on that? No, no, no. That's that's great. I just, I, I think just being able to see kind of what your vision is, and 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 like even your vision oh. right now. Like, what's your what's your vision? My, my, my vision now. I, I forgot yeah. the second question. Yeah, no, that's, that's okay. What happened, like, that's I, what happened. Seventy three. No, no, no. You I stacked them on top of you. I, I was now. Yeah. That wasn't fair. <laughs> Colombo. Yes. Next right. Question. You were trying to trip me up to find out I if know. I was the bad guy. I, I, I was. <laughs> well, my vision now is real simple. How can I serve you with no expectations of anything in return? Oh, by the way, God gave me an idea. I get to pass it on. But in talking with you, God's worked through you. And to me, the blessings flow. And the title of the book, Nick's Best Step, it's really code word for blessings. Nick's blessing that you'll receive to pass on. It's also code word for uh, praying 24-7. But someone would have to read the book. Uh, yeah, find yes. that out. Well, I love that. And where can people get the book? Can they go get it? Well, on they, they go, they just, go? just well, you can. Uh, okay. Uh, or you're, you have a website. I, I, I own the publishing company too. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Okay, so yeah, we'll, uh, I, I, us, I kept all the profits. <laughs> I love it. Give <laughs> us the and, website. And then go online. It's just to discover your next best step. There's a website. Okay, just, we'll put that in the show notes. Well, so oh, sure. Yeah, next best step. Okay, yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah, Gordon, it's been such a pleasure to just hear your experience and hear your perspective on on growth. And because I know that you've had so much experience in buying and selling and and growing companies, and it's it's not often that we get a chance to hear from somebody like you. So I really appreciate your time and really appreciate uh, you sharing with the audience today. Well, I appreciate you, uh, and thank you for allowing me to do this. And See what happens. Sounds good, Gordon. Thanks so much. 
I just love conversations like this with Gordon. Guys like Gordon have such a wealth of knowledge and wisdom. There were so many takeaways, but here are some of the things that I really took away from this conversation. And there's so much value in taking just the next step. I, I love the story that Gordon was telling about when he went to his, his boss and he said, we just need to buy the business. We just need to buy the company. And that willingness just to take action led to so many great things for him. And, and the other thing, too, that um, he shared was just having a culture of mentorship. Having that culture of mentorship in, in your organization is so important to your growth. And so I want to encourage you just to, to really be intentional with your culture and create opportunities for mentorship. The other thing that he shared that I thought was so insightful was just being able to approach things in a different way. You know, when we were talking about his patents and how they came up with some some new ideas, uh, just being able to look at things from an outside perspective and and maybe it just in a different way can give you solutions to to, to problems. And you know, that's one of the reasons why we have a variety of people, a variety of industries within our inner circle groups. Because when we have those different perspectives and we can approach our problems differently from, from different angles, it really helps us to think creatively and really come up with those solutions that we wouldn't come up with on our own. The other thing that he shared was really just all about listening and, and, and understanding. By really honing your listening skills, I call it listening generously, it really helps a leader to grow, helps the leader to, to build their team. And, and, and I also, the other thing that I took away from this conversation, I don't know if you caught it or not, but he went back to school in his late 50s. So he's a lifelong learner. And I think that's a lesson for all of us. Be a lifelong learner. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. You can be a lifelong learner. Just because you're not in school anymore doesn't mean that, that your learning has to stop. And I love when he was also talking about creating that, that exit and, and making a graceful exit. There was a, a lot that he said about being aware of your own life journey and making sure that you knew where you were and, and maybe what season of, of life you're in. That was one of the things that uh, I had to take into consideration when I started Impact Leadership Consulting. You know, I was at a, a great company and I was in an industry that, that really fueled me. However, I recognized that there were some, some winds of change that were coming and there was a season change for me. And so just be aware of the season of your life and, and, and your life's journey when you're ready to, to make that exit and go on to something different. The other thing that we talked about, I, th I think is really, really important for, for so many leaders. And that is to really create your 90 day focus and, and your 90 day plan, because to me, that is the key to accomplishing your goals. Because when you can take your, your, your strategic plan, when you can take your long-term plan and, and break it down into 90 days, we can see 90 days. We can, we can see the progress in 90 days. And you know when we follow that systematic approach, that's going to help us to be able to achieve everything that we want to achieve. And it's going to take us closer and closer to accomplishing our longer term plans. Now, the other thing that Gordon shared 
was really all about having a servant's heart rather than a command and control approach. You know, I'm sure that if you're listening to this, it's really highly likely that you do not have a command and control approach to your leadership. But if you grew up in that era when command and control was so prevalent, sometimes those kinds of things can sneak in. And so you really need to be able to have people in your life and, and people that can speak into you and, and really help you to see your blind spots. And I guess the last thing I would say is just his advice to emerging leaders. And this resonates so much with me. And it's really why we would do the work we do with emerging leaders. So the first thing he said was get a mentor and, and find a mentor, find a coach, find someone that can help you to become the, the next best version of yourself and invest in yourself, find ways that you can go to retreats, go to uh, workshops, get into mastermind groups, learn and become aware of, of, of yourself, of your strengths, uh, and, and even awareness of your weaknesses. And, and when you do that, you're going to be able to continually grow. You'll be around people that won't let you settle for average. And I just think that being able to have that vision and really being able to um, invest in yourself is such a great advice for, for, for all leaders, but, but especially towards emerging leaders. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I'm going to probably go back and listen to this one again, because Gordon had so much to share and, and, and I really enjoy sitting down with Gordon and I really enjoyed um, having this conversation. So I hope you enjoyed it as well. Be sure to subscribe and rate and review the podcast. It will help us and it will mean the world to me. It'll help us to be able to share uh, more of these conversations, more of these learnings with, with other people. And you don't want to miss the next uh, episode because we've got another amazing story of how Turning Point made an impact on another business leader. And uh, it's, it's going to be an amazing story. So, so make sure you subscribe and, uh, and, and don't miss that next episode. But until that next episode, stay in that growth space and be well. Mm -hmm.